2022, what a year it's been. And it's time for the most fun show of the season. It is the award show on the Balance of Power Roundtable. We are broadcast on WKXL Radio. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also available on video on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. I'm Matt Robeson, your host with our usual festive holiday panel, festive at this time of year, former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant, Alicia Preston. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas to everybody. As well I, as happy solstice. It is. Happy, for, for, yes, the pagans, getting longer. for the pagans, for the pagans out there. For the pagans. I don't want to insult anybody. And you know what's so great is that almost no matter what you say these days, you're insulting someone. It's very yeah, That's why I stopped worrying about it. You can't say happy holidays because like the Fox News anti-Christmas war people will be like, you're against Christmas. And anyway, I, I just say Merry Christmas unless I know the person I'm speaking to is Jewish, for instance, and I say Happy Hanukkah. If I don't know, I might throw out a Happy Holidays. It depends the vibe I'm feeling at the moment. Sometimes you can't tell whether they're Jewish or not. So <laughs> Happy Holidays isn't such a bad thing to say. Listen, I think I, as a Jewish man, if I know someone is Christian, I say Merry Christmas because I, this does. This reminds me a little bit of the same-sex marriage argument. It's like when they argue, like, how does it hurt your marriage if I also get to get married? Right. And it's like, how does it hurt my Judaism if you enjoy your Christmas and if I wish you a Merry Christmas because that's your tradition? If I knew you were, if you, if I knew you celebrated Kwanzaa, I would say Happy Kwanzaa to you because that is your tradition. It's I don't know why people a, get offended. If someone says Happy, my niece is Jewish and she used to say Happy Hanukkah to me when she was little. And I would just say, thank you, baby. Happy Hanukkah to you, too. Uh, and like, I just, why I would just, I be offended by Happy Hanukkah? It's wishing me joy and happiness. And same with Merry Christmas. I don't know I why just, anyone gets offended. I just say anything. Happy Holidays to everybody happy I holidays. see. Happy right, Holidays like, to everybody. Hanukkah Harry on Herschel, <laughs> on Moisha, on Shlomo. Okay, we are way off the rails here. A Merry Christmas <laughs> to everybody. And if you wish me one as a Jew, I will be pleased. Thank you for your good wishes. Speaking of good wishes, <laughs> we have nothing but good wishes in this award show. All right, no, we've got plenty of snark for you as well. It is our annual tradition, the end of year Balance of Power Roundtable Awards. These mm. are coveted worldwide. We do this kind of a mashup of Oscars and ESPYs style. Here's how this goes down. We have categories. And like I said, they're a mix up of, you'll feel like this is an athletic award and then you'll feel like it's a movie award. And we have nominees and then we talk about it and then we hand out the award. And the best part is, if there's a dispute on this panel, as always, I get to resolve it as the host. It's fantastic. I just, oh, I love yeah. arguments where I always but win. But we're not going to I've never part of them in the rest of my life. We're not we might agree it. on a lot of this. I don't know. Agree. At least the first few categories. We are missing things. We are missing award show performances. Mm -hmm. So if I break into song, oh, it's, it's because mm -hmm. we need award show performances. Also, I, I have editing capabilities here. So that's, <laughs> that's the best part. So if Paul Hodes starts doing a Twyla Tharp choreographed dance, that's gone. It's not going to appear. All right, here we go. Here we go. Actually, I'm going to edit out my own song from earlier. That was pretty terrible. Here we go. We start off big, just like the Oscars. They start off with a major award. We're starting off with a major award. MVP, most valuable player on the Democratic side. It's it, We hand them out by party because everything has to be by party these days. All right. The nominees are 
your president, Joe Biden. You know, we'll say, uh, let me just give you the nominees and then we can talk about the reasoning behind them in a minute. Your co-president, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. Your newly elected senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. The outgoing speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. Your returning U.S. senator from the state of Georgia, Raphael Warnock. And now two dark horse candidates, two surprise candidates. Most valuable player on the Democratic side, we have nominated Donald Trump this year and the darkest of dark horses, Samuel Alito. All right, Paul, <laughs> since you are the Democrat on the panel, this goes to you first. What do you make of this category? Who's your front runner? This is a very tough category. This is like the, you're starting at the top with the penultimate category, the MVP for Dems, instead of finding out who's up for sets, decoration, and costume. Because if it was costume, Nancy would definitely win. She's always fashionable. You don't um, like Fetterman's hoodies? Uh, no, no, Nancy, Nancy rocks it in a pantsuit. She always has. She always will. I was so happy to see Paul Pelosi at her side for the unveiling of her portrait. I was there when she was first elected speaker. She has done a remarkable job with a very narrow majority helping Joe Biden. So I have some real emotional attachment to voting for Nancy Pelosi. On the other hand, Raphael Warnock, who put Democrats briefly over the top until, of course, Kristen Sinema decided that she wanted to be something else. No, uh, they're still, I know, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There, there is a wonderful aura, has now run a, a bunch of very strong campaigns and looks to be perhaps the MVP of the future. Donald Trump and Samuel Alito gave Democrats great gifts, great gifts. Trump, who's, of course, just been referred for criminal prosecution to the Department of Justice by the January 6th committee, is the, be the best fright wig that Democrats could hope for. And Samuel Alito, of course, gave us the, the Dobbs decision, which rallied Democrats to the cause. All of that said, I think in seriousness, if I'm being serious about this, it's got to be Joe Biden, because Joe Biden has exceeded everybody's expectations, except, of course, Alicia's. But he's exceeded everybody's expectations. No, he may have exceeded Alicia's. He may have exceeded <laughs> Alicia's yeah. expectations. And he has, except for taking the primary away from Democrats, and except for the bit of a debacle in Afghanistan. That was uh, in 21. I know. Okay. So that was last year. So it doesn't count. That's so last year. So this year, he has led the Democrats through a remarkable legislative agenda. And he has brought NATO together around defending Ukraine. I think he's the MVP. Alicia? Look, coming off of Paul first, I would say the Democrat successes in November of 22 aren't because of Joe Biden. They're despite Joe Biden. I did math the other day. Do you know before the pandemic, so it's not all Joe Biden, but before the pandemic, eggs were 10 cents an egg approximately, if you do the math. Do you know what they are now? 45 cents an egg. And he championed this Inflation Reduction Act and my eggs keep going up. So no, Joe Biden is it's despite Joe Biden that the Democrats had success. Look, I think it's hands down Donald Trump is the MVP of the Democratic Party. Two of the senators on your list would not be United States senators were it not for Donald Trump. 
And a lot of you have Sam Alito on here because of the Dobbs decision. I do not believe, of course, there were some people that voted based on abortion. I do not believe the stifling of the anticipated red wave was because of the abortion issue. I believe it was a vote against the big lie. I believe it was a vote against continued chaos and crazy and criminal investigations and cultism and conspiracy theories and that middle America who are not the hard right or the hard left who are regular folk living their day-to-day lives with their 45 cent per egg costs said, I don't want the crazy anymore. It's been five years, six years of crazy. And who precipitated that? Donald Trump. So Donald Trump is why John Fetterman is a United States Senator. He's why Raphael Warnock is a United States Senator. He's why Joe Biden is president. And so for the MVP of the Democratic Party, I give it to the Don. I will put in my two cents. I actually think you both make really outstanding cases. I lean a little bit more politically toward Alicia's case. I'm not just here for the politics. At the end of the day, it's nice that Democrats vastly overperformed in the midterms, practically had a blue crush. Honestly, a few more seats, a little bit less aggressive gerrymandering in New York and a decision that goes the other way in terms of how those seats were allocated. And Democrats would have swept the midterms So politically, Alicia is right. It's Donald Trump. No doubt that that's an amazing argument. But substantively, what we're going to remember in 5, 10, 20 years, you have to give it to Joe Biden. And I would just add in that you can't get there without strong leadership in Congress. Nancy Pelosi herded those cats. She herded the cats on the far left and the center, which makes up the majority of the Democratic Party. And she got an absolutely astounding amount of really significant legislation passed. I'm stepping on a future category here of like most important legislation of the year. Just hold that thought. Hold that thought. It was one of the most productive years of Congress and overall over the last two years, one of the most productive two-year sessions of Congress in living memory, if not in history. And so my own vote would be for Joe Biden with an honorable mention for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. You just don't get that amount done that affects real people's lives, that makes people better off. And I'll, I'll go ahead and step on it. We're talking about historic gun legislation, toxic burn pits, getting the infrastructure money out the door and around the country. All of this kind of stuff, that's what real people care about. That's what makes an impact in people's lives. And it all got done and you got to hand it to that trio. All right. Unless anyone wants to strenuously object to what I just said, let's move on. All right. Now it's time for most valuable player on the Republican side. Your nominees are Donald Trump. Do we need to say more? If you do need to say more, by the way, you can always buy an NFT to to represent your feelings. Oh my God. By the way, I don't believe it's sold out. I believe they said it sold out. Hey, check out the video that we did about this on the Blue Amp channel because we created our own set of Trump images that you can own. So look for that video. Just look for my name. Look for Cliff Schechter. Look for Blue Amp. We offered our own set. Are you wearing a Superman costume? Oh, it's even better than that. There are some ep- epic images. Check it out. All right. Sorry. Donald Trump is your first nominee for MVP on the Republican side. And then you've got Ron DeSantis, Liz Cheney, Kevin McCarthy, and then your two dark horses, 
Tucker Carlson, and Samuel Alito. Alicia, I think you get to go first because you are our panel conservative. What do you think? I am going to choose Liz Cheney, and I'm going to add a PS of Adam Kinzinger in there. These are two conservative Republicans, and this is not because they served on the January 6th panel. This is because they are conservative Republicans who voted with Donald Trump 90% of the time, who voted with Republican conservatism 90% of the time. Liz Cheney actually has an overall 82%. That's still pretty good. House Republicans average 85% voting with conservative principles. And yet they were disparaged, destroyed. Liz Cheney lost a primary. Kinzinger decided not to run again because he would lose. They had their careers destroyed for doing the right thing. And most importantly, for standing up to conservative principles in the face of that which was not. They stood up for patriotism. They stood up for Americanism. Adams served this country honorably in the United States military and was called a traitor. I can think of nothing insulting and outward than people who have never worn a uniform to call one who has with honor a traitor because he doesn't like a politician and because he stands for America and stands against the insurrection on January 6th. So I think they are two people who I support. Support in their principles, I support in their voting record. And whether or not they served in the January 6th panel, they put themselves out there to do what was right before their jobs, before their party. And that's what every elected official should do. That's a great nomination for a JFK Profile and Courage Award. But are they truly the most valuable player on the Republican side? I don't know, Paul, what do you think? It reminds me of Handel's Messiah. They were despised. They were disparaged, but I agree with Matt. They're they on the Republican side. They may it's wishful thinking to think that they are the they deserve this award. I I'm tending to think of the Donald, because even though in the end it didn't work out, so many candidates were Donald acolytes. So much was given to the Republican Party and the cult it has become from the Donald. He He's the Republican gift that has kept on giving. His candidates stood tall and strong. Carrie Lake has been dragged kicking and screaming from the Arizona governor's race. And she perhaps is the Trumpiest of all Trumpists. And Trump has given Trumpism to the Republican Party. It's no longer a Republican Party. It's the Trump Party. So how, year after year, since his ascension by dissension of that famous golden staircase in his Trumpish tower, how can anybody not give Donald Trump the Republican award? He is, he as he, he just deserves it. He deserves it every year. I, for one, We'll be sad to see him in an orange jumpsuit. All right, all right, all right. So let me ask this. <laughs> let me ask this. Emma, Alicia, can I can I make the case for Alito for a second? It's Daddy. been a it's been a five decade quest and of the Republican Party to get the ruling that he gave them. And now we've established with historian Randall Palmer that th- this was a cynically arrived at political position from the religious right that it was not necessary, it was something that they took on for other purposes to cloak kind of their other political motives. But the fact is, it did become a central tenet of the Republican Party that they were a pro-life party and they wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. In the last year, what's the most important substantial achievement that Republicans will point to in 10 or 20 years? Once we get beyond who won the midterms and who didn't, 
I think you got to say Alito. Tell me I'm wrong. I do disagree with you. And here's why. I think the most important achievement of the last year has been the demonstrating against attempts to overthrow our democracy. I think that's far greater than the Dobbs decision. Look, I am pro-life, so maybe that's part of what's in my mind. But I think when I put up Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, it's not just the profile and courage. It's telling people it's okay to stand up. It's reminding people, Republicans like me, who were afraid for a while to state how I felt about it all, that it's okay that there are others like us, that there are others in very important positions like us, that standing up for democracy is more important than anything else when you're an American. And so I think the biggest piece of news, if we're going to do it that way, of the past year is the shift, the shift to say what Donald Trump precipitated is not okay. What he tried to do is not okay to overthrow the results of an election. And we found how important that was in November 2022, when people voted against Trumpism. And I think the proof is in the pudding. Carrie Lake is a whack job. And she is not governor of Arizona. Why? Because she's a Trump cultist whack job. That's good for the democracy. You know what? You talked me into it. I think you're right. I think See, this is the problem is that I never win arguments and uh, I just managed to not win one there. No, I'm glad you put it that way. Although, look, I think we can agree. I know, Paul, you were being tongue in cheek with your Trump thing. I think we can agree that politically the winner of the year, I don't know if he's MVP, but the winner of the year has got to be Ron DeSantis, right? He's so overperformed in Florida, so overperformed the rest of the trends midterm wise. He is the hope of the non-Trump wing of the Republican Party. He's even the hope of some Trump people, if Trump should falter. Um, so I, it's hard to see someone coming out of 2022 in better shape than Ron DeSantis. I don't think we ever resolved MVP for Republicans there, but I think, Alicia, you your choice. It's I, I, We're going to defer to you on that one. So I think we landed on Liz Cheney. She gets the boppy. I'll call her. Um, I'll let her know. All right, look. Paul's a former congressman. I'm a former congressional staffer. Alicia, you've spent a lot of your career Congress adjacent. I know it's fun to dunk on. I'm putting Congress. that on my business card. Your Congress, Congress adjacent. adjacent. Congress yeah. adjacent. Like People that. can scratch their heads. What the hell is that? Is that bad? It sounds like, cool. Why are you know. admitting that? At the end of the day, this is about passing bills and making laws like I'm just a bill sitting here on Capitol Hills. We wanted to do best achievement in a bill on the hill. That's not how that goes. That's, That's not that at all how it goes. You're the only one in this group. Out on Capitol Hill. That's how it goes. And Come no on, one wants man. Me. So I was channeling the Beatles, baby. Oh, oh I see. Okay. That would be amazing. The Paul McCartney the version of like that. That's the fool on the hill. No, you can't fool me. All right. I think go. Paul McCartney should redo an album, should redo the Schoolhouse Rocks album and release it. Uh-huh. Oh, mm. my gosh. Paul, go ahead. I'll give you a 10-second dispensation to do your Paul McCartney. <laughs> I know you want to. That's okay. No, oh, no, come okay. on. All right. No. That'll be a holiday bonus for our. All right. Here we go. Paul Best McCartney. Achievement. Paul McCartney is so unique. Paul McCartney is so wonderful. He's he's all over social media. He's looking a little older, but he's still out there singing for crying out loud people. He's still out there singing, introducing the Beatles to generation after generation. You know, who's a gem on social media. Mark Hamill, who just yes. liked my Hilarious. video about the Trump and NFTs. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Heck oh. yeah. We all have those moments. Mine was Chris Jericho. Oh, the wrestler. The wrestler, Chris Jericho. He once retweeted a tweet 
I had. It was about him, but still. I thought you were going to say he's your ex-husband. All right, here we go. I, I oh, know he's my next husband. one. I, I, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, your next husband. That was much, you took it, you made it much worse. <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. Best achievement in legislation. There was actually, even Alicia will agree, because a lot of this was bipartisan. This was a great year for passing meaningful bills. We had the PACT Act. If you don't know what that is, that's the one that addressed the thousands of American veterans suffering from the after effects of exposure to toxic burn pits. We had the Electoral Count Act. Now we're recording this. It's not quite passed yet. It's in the omnibus, but it looks like we're going to fix that thing that nearly ended American democracy two years ago. That seems good. There's the Inflation Reduction Act. I don't think Alicia's going to be in favor of that one. There's the semiconductor bill, our competitiveness with China in a key strategic industry. That bill has already led to announcements of thousands of new manufacturing jobs in places like Ohio. Pretty good stuff. There's the Respect for Marriage Act, pretty darn historic. And there's the Safer Communities Act. That's that gun safety bill, the first meaningful gun legislation passed in decades. Um, that is a heck of a list to choose from go. What do you think? Okay. I'm just going to jump in because I want to annoy Alicia. I want to really- Already there, I wanna, buddy. Already I wanna, there. I, I want to <laughs> really- It's like a get, credit card. It's like you're pre-approved. You pre I, I, I want to see her pulling out her nose hairs in frustration. And the answer is this. The, in, the inaptly <laughs> named Inflation Reduction Act, whatever its title, and I, I'm afraid to say I agree with Alicia, that it's not the best name in the world for an act that was the landmark act in climate legislation, because that's really what it was. It should have been the Climate Reduction Act or something like that. But whatever, but whatever it was, it was landmark. It was the first time that meaningful action has been taken in this country, even more meaningful than the infrastructure bill, to really do something about an existential human crisis. And I know we're very lighthearted about it here on this show. I'm sitting in front of palm trees, so who can worry about the climate when I am here on a beach in front of sparkling turquoise waters? All right. Paul had a little bit of an audio interruption there, but I think you made a pretty strong case there for the Inflation Reduction Act, kind of like along the lines of what I was saying. Is, hey, what are people actually going to remember in terms of what affects them in their lives? Alicia, I know you disagree, so release the Kraken. 45 cents an egg. Oh, that's, that's not the Kraken. In response to the that's Inflation the Reduction Act. You just Look, they lied the to us. They lied to us because the 2022 election was coming up. They wanted to be able to put something in a television ad because they know what people are affected by day to day to day is the cost of living. Wait, now, no. rich people can play the little violin. We regular folk have to budget for our grocery. <laughs> nice. nice. Okay? No, that was sweet. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, rich people, rich people. Paul, you haven't seen my bank account. Right Listen, there, like, I'm, paying oh. the, I'm paying the same <laughs> thing you are for eggs and the president and the Democrats have nothing to do with inflation or non-inflation. The Inflation Reduction Act was a stupid name. Okay. I'll give you that. But the legislation was landmark and, and get off it. Would you gas prices have come down. Inflation is lessening. The Federal Reserve is doing what it can. And the idea of this partisan politics around inflation is so tired. You're better than that, Alicia. Do you know what I love for a year? 
for a year, Democrats kept telling me when the gas prices were up over $5 that you can't blame Joe Biden or the Democrats for gas prices. That's not how this works. It's a different global system, blah, blah, blah. And you guys are taking victory laps because they're coming down. So I just want to know, I think we're, are I think you all responsible for gas prices or not? Fair. No, we're not. We're not. Thank you. Then you don't get we to didn't do laps. Do that. We didn't do that. Uh, let's be consistent. About, I know a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, and I've got a pinhead. But listen, we did not do that, okay? It's a global commodity. What happened in, in gas – you know what? I'm not going to belabor it. <laughs> what, what, what happened to oil and gas prices had nothing to do with Donald Trump, with Joe Biden, with Joe Mama. It just – nothing to do with the politics of the moment. They're coming down. I'm just – I think we're just acknowledging that politically it's – in the words of Barack Obama, it's pretty good. So okay. what about so what's your vote, Alicia? Here you are yeah, what's your taking vote? the opportunity, taking the My opportunity vote. to land base Democrats for something Democrats have nothing to do with. So what's your vote? First of all, they had everything to do with the lying of the Inflation Reduction Act. But beyond that, my vote is for the PACT Act, which expanded to 20 different diseases that could be recognized by the Veterans Administration for veterans who are exposed to burn pits and other toxins so that they can get coverage for their medical needs and treatment. That's a bipartisan bill. That's what Congress should be doing, the stuff that really helps those, particularly those like our veterans who have given so And I wish they were covered before, but I'm glad that they'll be covered now. now that being said, the semi conductor bill, if it does what it's supposed to do, which is expand jobs, increase manufacturing in the United States, is also a very good bill. I'm a little questionable with the regulation level that we have on manufacturing in the United States, if we can really compete with China. So the proof will be in the pudding there. It's a good concept, but PACDAC gets my vote. And I just can I just point yeah, out go. that it was the Repub- that the Republicans blocked the PACT Act until until John Stewart went out front of the Capitol and started ranting and raving about it. And eventually some Republicans caved on it. But your party, Alicia, wanted to stop it in its tracks and Not- wanted to deny de- veterans again the care they needed. I would like to give Paul Hodes an award for pooping in all of our cornflakes. I was about to I was about to do the weaseliest thing in the world here and say Paul is right about the long-term impact of the Inflation Reduction Act. That's the most memorable piece of legislation that we'll be talking about that'll have the biggest impact in 10 years. And I was about to weasel and say, "You know what I award it to?" All of them. The PACT Act, the Electoral Count Act, the oh, Semiconductor Bill. Such a you know, cop-out. you know that why? Is lame. You know, that's I a cop-out. Can, can I give you my lame reason though? It's because bipartisan legislating is back. The fact that this Congress, including this Senate, got together and passed so much stuff, so much good stuff, is it's a miracle. It's a Festivus miracle, people. It's it's absolutely astounding. We never, Paul, you were a member of Congress. Would you have predicted that this was anything close to possible? We talk all the time on the show about how Congress can't get anything done. Congress got an historic, epic amount done. Can't we be like modern liberals and give everyone a participation trophy? It was Jimmy Stewart goes to Washington. It was really, yeah, it was kumbaya time on Capitol Hill all session long. Oh, they just- They may have been dunking on each other, but but they passed the bills. They put their hands over their hearts and crossed their fingers and tried tried to sack the Capitol. But now we're back and we're all so friendly. But but that's my point. That's my point is that literally Republicans led a sacking of the Capitol. Okay. That happened in the war of 18 freaking 12. 
the last time. It was the hated Redcoats who did that. And now it was the Red Party that did it. And somehow we got over all that. Let's forget that untidy little insurrection that happened five minutes ago. And let's pass meaningful legislation to help veterans and manufacturers and same-sex couples. And it's All these bills aren't great. You say you want to give them all an award. Look, the Electoral Count Act, which hasn't passed yet, I have no problem with the actual language they want to pass. I've got a problem with them putting in a spending bill. Listeners of this program will know I hate, and this is a bipartisan thing they do. Everybody does this. When you want to pass a bill, rather than having it stand alone, you put it in a bunch of other stuff and you mix a bunch of stuff together and then a bunch of stuff gets passed. No one knows what's in it. I have no problem with the concept of the Electoral Count Act changing the 19th century, very vague law, but it should not be in a spending bill because A, Congress isn't very good about passing long-term spending bills in a timely manner, and B, it deserves to stand alone if it wants to make the point that it's trying to make. The Respect for Marriage Act, I am very pro-gay marriage. I think it was an unnecessary law that was passed to put Republicans on record to vote against gay marriage so they can use it in two years. And what I don't like is Congress playing politics in Congress. There is too much serious stuff like the PACT Act, like the semiconductor bill that they should be focused on. You know what what you're really complaining about is that Guy Fieri is coming to Capitol Hill to shoot the next edition of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And he's visiting the sausage maker. And now he's in the kitchen and he's in the back room in the cloak room and he's watching what gets fed into that all natural casing. And it's just sausage. Wait, Paul, is that true? Is Guy Fieri? I was going to say, I'll go to DC. I'm not sure if you're, are you doing, is is this a metaphor or is this real? Oh, Guy Fieri is coming to the congressional cloakroom because the grilled cheese sandwiches and the hot dogs are really among the best. And he's, I just, and I'm he's, sorry, and he's I doing just a got whole, confused. A whole I just episode, got confused because a whole episode when you of said, sausage making in Congress. Yeah, when you said Guy Fieri is coming to the Capitol and shooting, just the last time people came to the Capitol, <laughs> there were shooting. Anyway, he's got a fabulous outdoor kitchen. If I ever win the lottery, I'm replicating Guy Fieri's outdoor kitchen. Just want to say. So co- Congress makes sausage, and it's really awful to see what goes in there. Get the pun. Get the pun. It's awful to see what goes but into this the time sausage. It wasn't. Awful. Oh yeah. This time it wasn't. Again, I'm just going to parrot Alicia back to Alicia. The Pact Act was great. The Electoral Count Act was and is extraordinarily necessary. I know you don't like the Inflation Reduction Act, but I think you agree with many parts of it. Like the fact that seniors are going to save $2,000, thousands of dollars a year on their medicines. I think that's a good thing. The semiconductor bill, let's take on China and this key strategic industry, and there are already thousands of jobs created in Ohio. That's pretty sweet. The Respect for Marriage Act, obviously, I think that this is a murder on the Orient Express situation. I think they all I think you guys keep making analogies that no one's going to understand. You've never read Agatha Christie? Many times. Reading is fundamental. I've read right. it many times. Let's move on. Let's move never on. seen diners, drive-ins, and dives. The best television show there is. I have. I just said I want to replicate his outdoor kitchen. I love that show, and there I love his other go. program too. Is that the, the sloppy dude who celebrates disgusting food? Oh come no, on! It's the guy with come blonde on. bleach spiky the blonde hair. Blonde bleach spiky hair and the Camaro who's driving around no, that's finding the, the best diners. Yeah, we're speaking of dives. the same thing. Oh <laughs> yeah, right. man. All right, let's get to a big category. This is huge. This is news story of the year. I already know what Alicia's going to choose, but here's the list, people. Here's the list. Inflation. Need I say more? Alicia's already like mentally <laughs> tenting her fingers like Mr. Burns. Excellent. I want to talk about eggs more. Okay. We have the Dobbs decision. We have, all right, sorry. I'm being lighthearted and now I have to be serious for a second. We have the war in Ukraine. 
we have the taking over of the Omicron variant. Remember how we have this global pandemic that's still happening right now? That was still a major news story. We have the death of Queen Elizabeth. We have the massive overperformance of Democrats in the midterm elections. And we have, and I'm bunching together a bunch of things in this category, but this comes up on all the year-end lists. We had a massive number of droughts heat waves and floods, the ongoing march of global warming. That is a long list Oscar style of many nominees. Maybe we didn't hit them all. Go. What do you guys think? I first want mm. to say I am a royal watcher, a royal file. Is that a word? Royal file? You're a royal something. I'm a royal something. I follow all things royal. I'm hashtag team Kate, not Megan, by the way. But I think it was not the major news story of the year that Queen Elizabeth died. She was very elderly, but I think it was a good time to reflect on her period of life and everything that went on and her accomplishments, her achievements, and some of the negative stuff that is the reality of the royal family and what it stands for. I think it was historically a fascinating time, and it will be fascinating when King Charles is coronated. I always have a tea party for major royal events. You all are very welcome. When it comes to the biggest news story, I would answer this two ways. For America, inflation. We all know why. And I got to think about eggs and scrambled hamburger prices. For the globe, it's the Ukraine war. For the world as a whole, it's the Ukraine war, because despite what some say, this isn't a tiff between Russia and Ukraine, and it's their problem. This is a global problem. Putin is a global threat. Putin's a bad guy. He's a terrorist with a terrorist regime. He's torturing and tormenting his own people by having this war exist. He's doing horrible things to the Ukrainian people. And Vladimir Zelensky is a hero. He is a modern day, I don't know who to compare him to, but he is a modern day hero. He is standing up for his people. This is a guy who was a comedian, who became president, who became the head of a country under attack by a huge beast. And instead he stood up and said, we're not backing down, we're fighting back and they're getting achievements every day. So if I'm answering just for America, inflation, it affects our day-to-day -day lives. People are having trouble heating their homes, feeding their families, difficulty around the holidays. But you want to talk about global impact, it's got to be the war in Ukraine. Look, yep. I think that one of the challenges for Americans is to get over our parochialism and to understand that that so look, I think we've got to stop being parochial in the United States. America is part of the world. The world has shrunk. It's a small place these days, and we have to change the way we identify. I appreciate, Alicia, that you talk about the war in Ukraine as affecting the world. We are not separate. And it's just a mindset in America that we have to get over, because I agree with you that the number one story is the invasion of Ukraine. The war in Ukraine has been going on since, what, 2014, when, when Russia started with Crimea. They took over the Donetsk, and then there was this brutal, crazy invasion. That is a world calamity that has deeply affected America. You want to talk about inflation in America? Look to the war in Ukraine. You want to talk about any almost any policy and what's going on? The war in Ukraine has completely upended, in many ways, the world order. It has solidified NATO, but it is unfortunately Fortunately, replaced global terrorism with now state-sponsored terrorism by Russia. For years and years, we had been talking about non-state terrorism as the real problem. And now we've got to deal with Russia. I think you're both spot on. I, it's interesting, Paul, you just raised, I think, Alicia, you raised as well, the fact that a lot of the other things on this list tie back. Um, so the inflation story is very much a story of the invasion of Ukraine. And a big, we tend to talk so much about domestic policy when we talk about our politics, because people have stopped caring since the 
end of the Cold War. People have stopped caring, at least voters have stopped caring so much about geopolitics. There was a brief period where foreign policy mattered more to American voters during the Iraq War. But for the most part, over the last 15 years, we've tended to be totally domestically focused and myopic. But that is truly, we didn't even talk about this before when we were handing out EP and thinking about achievements of the year. Drawing back together the NATO alliance and responding so effective as an alliance to the Russian invasion is a major achievement of the Biden administration. It's an historic achievement. And it's something, Alicia, that in a not partisan way at all, you've given credit to the Biden administration for doing that. And I would say that I would also extend some credit to congressional allies on the Republican side who have, for the most part, I know there's been grumbling. Kevin McCarthy has made all kinds of noises and the far right nuts have made a lot of noises objecting to American support for our Ukrainian allies. But for the most part, this has been a united front within America and it's been a united front within NATO. And that has reshifted what was a fraying transatlantic alliance that was one of the pillars of global stability over the last 50 years. And it's inspiring. And the other side of the coin is Putin as a worldwide rogue. Paul, you're right. I mean, his invasion of Ukraine goes back to 2014. Remember, before that, he invaded the country of Georgia. But there's a fascinating, you have to be, this is a deep cut for nerds. There's a fascinating bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee report from 2019 that no one is going to read. So I'm going to summarize it for you. Vladimir Putin has been engaged in a low-level campaign of worldwide aggression, destabilization, support for allied regimes that have fomented war and violence and destabilization of allied Western countries for many years. The list is extremely long, and I could belabor it, but I won't. But it's not going too far to say that the war in Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine this year was the latest and by far the most dramatic, but only one part of what has been a global war waged by Vladimir Putin against everybody, including us. Don't forget that we were attacked militarily by military units of, of Russia's military in 2016. It was the GRU, it was military units that performed the hacking here in America of our elections and of the DNC. So we have been directly subject to Russian attack. And now we're seeing a far more dramatic and damaging version of that in Ukraine. But to me, you're both right. There, there's no question it's the war in Ukraine. And you mentioned it, and it is a very, very small group of people, but the isolationists who are saying, why are we sending money to Ukraine? Why are we, it's not our war? That's really bred an ignorance of not understanding just how close our military involvement could be. We're sending money in, in hopes that we don't have to get involved militarily so they can defend themselves with armament and with money. Let's not forget a few weeks ago, an errant missile landed in Poland and the world stopped. The entire world stopped. Every military in the United States leadership, I mean, in the in Europe, leadership in the United States, around the world, had to stop. Now, they claim that it was an errant Ukraine missile, not a Russian missile. I don't know what's true or not. They might have tried to prevent th the Third World War by telling us that. Not my problem. They're the military. I trust them. But that's how close to on the brink we are to engagement because Poland is a NATO ally. And if one of our NATO allies are hit, we are to engage. That is the deal we have. This is how close we are. 
to being on the brink of a potential third world war. So I hope those that are uninformed, unaware, uneducated, and ignorant and think we can just sit in our little borders in the United States understand we are safe and we are secure because we have partnerships and allies around the world, and we need to maintain those. Amen. And let's not forget that another achievement of this administration was we expanded NATO. We literally we added two countries to NATO, and that list of allies and friends around the world is just getting bigger and stronger. All right. On that note, let's give a let's give a programming announcement. We're recording this as a two-parter. So you're reaching the end of this episode here of the Balance of Power Roundtable on WKXL. If you're enjoying this, and we hope you are, stay tuned. We're going to have a follow-on episode here. You can find it in this time slot on WKXL. You'll find it on podcast. For now, very briefly, we will sign up for Paul and Alicia. I'm Matt Robeson. We'll see you next time.